children are dismissed to go to children's church at this time. Thank you, the Harris sisters. The uh, sisters will be singing tonight in the musicale. I like the way that those siblings can stack those notes like that. I, I tell you, it's a blessing. I appreciate that. And we've come to adore him today, Christ the Lord. Let's take our Bibles, please, today and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We're looking during this Christmas season at this verse, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, which is a prophecy of the coming Christ child, the Lord Jesus. It was given about 700 years, 700 years before Christ was born. And we are uh, going to be looking at the several names that are given in Isaiah 9, 6. We looked last week at one of those. It says in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9, For unto us a child is born, speaking of Christ the coming one, 700 years before he came. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. We looked at that last week, Wonderful Counselor. The second one we'll look at today, The Mighty God. Next week, the Everlasting Father. And then on Christmas Eve, we will look at this one. He's the Prince of Peace. I'm so thankful that today that he is the mighty God. When we think about Jesus coming, many people, all they know about Christmas is that uh, either is a bunch of gifts and lights and that kind of thing, or they know about a manger and a baby in a manger. But Jesus didn't come just to go to the manger. He came to go to the cross to die for our sins that we might have everlasting life. And he's not just any baby in a manger. Someone has said what, what, we're, what we are celebrating at Christmas is called the incarnation, God becoming man. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the incarnation. We'll look at verses about that today. And some people have said, well, that's, that's great. Uh, you know, he was tempted in all points, like as we are, Hebrews tells us, yet without sin. And somebody says, well, you know, I'm so thankful that Jesus has set us a godly example. He's more than set us a godly example. He's the God-man. He's 100% God. And 100% man, we don't have anybody that can compare to that. But he's 100% God and 100% man at the same time. And I want us to look, first of all today, at his person. At his person. It says his name is the mighty God. The person is Jesus Christ who is deity. He is God in the flesh. There are those in religions who don't believe that. I'm thankful that we believe the Bible, the word of God, and it says that Jesus is God. We believe he's God. Amen. Look with me at John chapter 1. John chapter 1. If we had a copy of what the Jehovah's Witnesses use, a Bible that's called the New World Translation, I like to look with them if they were talking to me at this verse of scripture. 
John chapter 1 and verse 1 says in our Bible, in the beginning was the word, and notice the word is capitalized there. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is God. In their New World Translation, they translate that at the end, and the word was a God small g. A God, small g. He's not a God, small g. He's God. He's the God of this Bible. And notice it says in verse 2, and the same was in the beginning with God, the eternality of God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then verse 14, John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word, Jesus, was made flesh God became flesh. That's the incarnation. That's what the word incarnation means. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came to tabernacle among us, to live among us. He became one of us. In all points, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We've been preaching in the book of Philippians and we've taken a break for the book of uh, during the month of December. But if you'll look with me at Philippians chapter 2, we've already preached on this chapter. But Philippians chapter 2, we'll be starting back in January in chapter 4 of Philippians. But notice with me Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, or this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, not a thing to be grasped, although he was God. And he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. This is what we're celebrating at Christmas. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He came and 33 years later died upon a cross. It says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, it says, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you don't believe it now, one day everybody will believe it. They'll get on their knees and bow down to the one that will admit to him that he is indeed Lord. Jesus is God in the flesh. We, we see that and we've sang songs today uh, about Emmanuel. Notice with me where that comes from. It comes from two places. One place in the Old Testament Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, is a prophecy also given about 700 years before Jesus ever came. Ever came. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold a virgin, Mary, virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Over in the New Testament, 
In Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, we see that mentioned again, but actually lived out as Christ is born. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 22. Notice what it says here. And now this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, it's fulfilling Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And notice now they're giving what Emmanuel means. It says, which being interpreted is God with us. So when we, we have Jesus, we have God with us. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas time. And we sang songs today that had the words Emmanuel in it because of that. God with us. He is indeed God. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. There's been this Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, born of a virgin. No physical relationship between Joseph and Mary uh, before Jesus was born. Nobody can say, no religious leader from the past could ever say, did you know that Mohammed had a mother and father and was not born of a virgin? <laughs> Buddha had a mother and father, not born of a virgin. Confucius had a mother and father, not born of a virgin. Only the Lord Jesus Christ was virgin born. He is God. He is God in the flesh. And he came to dwell among us. Because of that, we now can have a personal relationship with him. Before my salvation, before I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, I had religion. I attended churches growing up down in, uh, well, in Arkansas and in Indian Head, Maryland, Salt Lake City, Utah, down in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, in uh, North Charleston. Went to, we went to a church there. Went to Stallsville United Methodist Church for about three years when I was a teenager in Somerville, down around Charleston, South Carolina. I had religion. But 52 years ago at the age of 20, when I realized I was a sinner and I realized that the payment for my sin was death, that I was going to die and spend eternity in hell. But that night, January the 29th, 1971, in that dorm room, I got on my knees beside my dorm room bed and I said, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner and I believe Jesus died for me and he rose again the third day. And I believe that Jesus paid my sin debt in full and I'm accepting him now. I'm putting my faith and trust and dependence in Jesus Christ and what he's done upon the cross. And that night I lost my religion and gained a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm his and he is mine. He came to dwell among us. He came here to the earth. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas time. I'm so thankful that we have God the Father. We're going to look next week at he's the eternal Father. And we have God the Son, the Lord Jesus. We have God the Holy Spirit of God. One, they're all one and two, three different persons and, and opportunities and, and ministries that they had, but one essence. God was manifested in the flesh. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 
16 says, that's what we celebrate with Jesus coming. It says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in him. <laughs> all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 tells you and me. God today in heaven sent his son 2,000 years ago, born of a virgin, Mary, in that manger of Bethlehem. He was born, but born to die. Born to die that you and I might live, that we might have everlasting life. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The very purpose that he came, to seek and to save that which was lost. Not just a good man, but a godly, not just a godly man, but the God man. 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Mary, when the angel appeared to her, said, how can this be that I know not a man? I've, I've, not, I've not known in a physical way uh, a man, including this man, Joseph, who will be called to be the father, who will be the one to help raise this baby Jesus. And the angel said, the son of the highest shall overshadow thee. The Holy Spirit shall overshadow thee. That which is born under thee shall be of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God coming and causing that birth, that conception of that child. We sang today, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity because he's God in the flesh. He is indeed God. And we can say today, without apology, we believe that Jesus is God. He's the almighty God from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. He's the almighty God. Notice he says, it says about him that he's not only God, but he's the mighty God. We sang today that little chorus during the fellowship time. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is he. How many of you, that was the first time you've ever sung that song? Great and mighty is the Lord our God. It's in our hymn book here. And uh, I, whatever semi-retirement means, I don't know what that means yet, but semi-retired May the 21st uh, at 72 years of age. Uh, one of the songs that we sang at that retirement was great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is he. And by the fact, he has shown himself to be strong. He is mighty. The word mighty in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 is referring to a military, it's a military term. It speaks of a conqueror or a, uh, a champion, one who can lead in battle. It's also used in Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 21. Isaiah 10 verse 21 says the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto, and it mentions, the mighty God. He's the mighty God. So I, not only his person, he's God, but I want us to look at his power. He's the mighty God. He's the mighty God in our salvation. He's, he's mighty to save, the Bible says. There's a verse in the minor prophets. Minor doesn't mean that they're less important, but there are 12 books at the end of the Old Testament 
that are called minor prophets just because they're short. They're shorter books. And in Zephaniah, I know you turn to that book quite often, Zephaniah, right before Haggai, I heard a, a good old southern preacher the other day preaching about Haggai, and he called it Haggai. Haggai, well, it's right before Haggai is uh, Zephaniah, and in chapter 3 and verse 17, Zephaniah 3:17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He's in the midst of thee. He's with us, Emmanuel, and he's mighty. Then it says, he will save. That mighty God will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. Did you realize that God's rejoicing over us today? And this same verse says not only is he rejoicing over us with joy, it says he will rest in his love and he will joy over thee in singing. God joys over us in singing. But he's the mighty God, the mighty God who saves. And I think of God's power in our salvation, how he brought us to himself. I realized that before I trusted Jesus as Savior, as I said, I had religion. Uh, I had not been to church for about two and a half years before I trusted Christ as my Savior that day. But I believe that God was hunting me down. The Spirit of God was working and the power of God was convicting me and working and I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what I needed. I had tried to put square pegs in round holes and, and it didn't work. I tried all that the world had to offer and it didn't work. It produced some, a lot of fun on a Friday night, but it was miserable for the rest of the week. But then when I found Jesus Christ as my Savior, I found what really satisfies in life. It was what I needed. It was the fit. That's like a square. Somebody has said there is a God-shaped void inside every man that can only be filled by God. When he came into my life and trust, I trusted him as my Savior, I found what real satisfaction and joy was all about. The power of God to save in our life, drawing us to himself. Notice Romans chapter 1. You know Romans chapter 1. We, we use it talking a lot about how people are turning away from God and and uh, God gives them over to a reprobate mind. Notice chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and verse 20. It says in that verse, But the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power, eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We can't get saved by looking at beautiful uh, creation of the world. And boy, we have had a beautiful fall with all the leaves turning. We, uh, Jesse was talking about the clouds over this mountain out here today, a beautiful scene. And all that God has created, we can't get saved by just looking at creation. But we realize there's something beyond us. There's something that must have formed all of this world. And it causes us to turn to something bigger than ourselves and look to something different than ourselves. 
The only way we can be saved is when God opens our eyes to realize that the real truth is found in Jesus. That we're sinners before God, that we're lost in our sin. As, as amazing grace, as John Newton said, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind spiritually. I didn't, this Bible didn't make any sense, but now I see. Now my eyes have been opened to the truth. And that's the power of our mighty God working in our lives. That same God is able to do the impossible. <laughs> in Luke chapter 1 verse 37 says, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. When it talks about God is able to do the impossible... In the scriptures, it's usually referring to two different times. One is a barren woman giving birth to a child. Or when somebody trusts Jesus Christ as Savior because every salvation decision is a miracle. Every salvation decision is a miracle. It's a work of God in our lives. And God's able. You say, well, preacher, you, you just don't know my grandfather. He's just hard. I mean, he is not going to accept. And, and, and that cousin I've got, I've got a cousin, and then I've got a, a sister, and you won't believe she, they're just, they just won't, I don't know if they'll ever get saved. God can work the impossible. He can work the impossible. This week we got a, a text from Josh Pate, our missionary in the Ivory Coast. And uh, he sent that out uh, about one thirty something in the morning on Friday and I don't know why he can't figure out that we're sleeping at 1.30 in the morning. But he sent a, sent a text out that his mother had sent him on the way back from MUSC on Thursday in Charleston. And Carol Pate had sent a text out to Josh that said, we're on our way back from Charleston. And uh, we, we didn't get the results of the biopsy on her mouth, cancer, and all of that. And uh, said, uh, we didn't get that. They, it had not come in when we made the visit to the doctor today. But on our way back to uh, Greenville, South Carolina from Columbia, we got the call. And the doctor said, there's no need for chemo. Amen. There's no need for radiation. And she said, I was blown away, and the doctor was too. And I said, God can work the impossible. Amen. Why? He's the mighty God. He's the mighty God. And when I got that, I sent a text back to him. I didn't care what time it was in the Ivory Coast because he didn't care what time it was when I sent it to me. <laughs> I sent him back Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And would you look there with me? If you haven't underlined these verses in your Bible, you need to do so today. Ephesians chapter 3. This almighty, this mighty God, it says in the end of chapter 3 of Ephesians, the last two verses, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. He's a mighty God. 
Not only in his person is he God, but he's mighty in his power. There are times that we reach the end. The song says, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. You said, I can't. I can't. When you say, I can't, you're in a good place because now we're dependent upon a God who can. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 5, without me ye can do nothing. Without me you can do nothing. But with the mighty power of God we can do all things that he wants us to do. You say, preacher, I don't know how my life could change. I don't know how things would be different now. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and I don't know how my life can change. God can work. By his grace, he gives us grace to be different. He helps us to be able to say no to sin. He helps us see that we're now new creatures in Christ. We talk about it in the discipleship class. We have a, a class that meets for people who have trusted Jesus as their Savior. And we meet at 9.30 on Sunday. And we were talking about that today. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says that all of us that are in Christ are new creations or new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How is that going to happen? I told him about a little girl in Texas. I pastored in Houston for, for the first eight years of my ministry. I pastored in Houston, Texas. I didn't meet very many Texans. Most of them were from foreign countries or they were from foreign countries like Michigan and places like that. And, but I mean, all kinds of people that we met from all over the, the country and all over the world. But they told about a little girl from Texas that she was memorizing that little verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And she said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new critter. And, and I tell you what, when Jesus saved me, he's making me into a new critter. Why? By his mighty power. Not my own strength. If I try to fix it up on the outside, it doesn't last long. But when he works on the inside and changes me, I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ by his mighty power. Colossians chapter 1. I like to hear about the mighty power of God working. This is a great ministry verse for those of you studying for the ministry. This is one of my favorite ministry verses, one of several. It says in verse 27 of Colossians chapter 1, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among us, among the Gentiles. Notice this, which is Christ in you, Christ inside of us, Emmanuel, now God dwelling with us, Christ in you, and that's the hope of glory. That's the hope of glory. Whom we preach, we preach Christ. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or mature, spiritually mature in Christ Jesus. Verse 29. Whereunto I also labor. He's working to the point of exhaustion, the word means. I labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. It's that God who is the mighty God 
working in us that allows us to be able to work and serve him. That mighty power of God. God is with us and that God is fighting for us. That mighty God is upholding us today. It's an old country song says, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I can't even walk without him holding us up. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. A God who's with us. Emmanuel, who upholds us with his mighty hand. The Bible tells us, you say, preacher, you don't believe, wouldn't believe all the temptations I'm going through. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, says there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Other people are going through. The devil would love to tell us that we're the only ones going through this temptation. But it's such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it by the mighty hand of the mighty God. When I'm weak, he's strong. He's the mighty God. He has the power in our own lives to convict, to draw us, to rescue us from our sin. He knows best. He knows what's best for us, that mighty God does. And so we look at his person, he's God. In his power, he's the mighty God. And then lastly today, in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9, says the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro over the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose hearts are perfect toward him. Did you know that in whatever situation you're going through in your life that you say, preacher, I just don't know if there's a solution to it. Did you know that God is looking for an opportunity to show his mighty power in your life today and in my life as well? That God who's, there's nothing too hard for him. His eyes are running to and fro to show himself strong. He did in the incarnation for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He died for the sins of the whole world. He came to tabernacle to dwell among us that we might have a relationship with him. God became flesh. God became man so we could have a personal relationship with him. A baby in a manger, yes, but that baby is God. God in human form. Jesus said, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? He's the mighty God. He is the mighty God. I'm very thankful today that he's not only the wonderful counselor, but he today is the mighty God. Let's bow for Before we pray, I'm not going to come and talk to anybody. I'm not going to call anybody by name, but 
Who today say, preacher, I need to hear that Jesus is the mighty God and I need that in some circumstances in my own life. In a general way, would you pray for me in the closing prayer? If you're like that, would you raise your hand up? Yes, I see your hand. Pray for me, pastor. I need that. I need the mighty God to work. Yes, you can put your hands down. Father, you've seen hands today, but more importantly, you've seen hearts. I'm so thankful today that we can be saved by that mighty God working in our lives, that we can accept Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior, and that, Lord, through that we could have eternal life in heaven with you. Father, I thank you that he's not only the mighty counselor, He's the one that leads and directs in our life. But he shows himself strong because he's God. He's the mighty God. And today we can trust him. And when we see, and tonight in the musicale, as the children and teens and adults will be singing and playing musical instruments tonight, Lord, help us to remember we are celebrating the mighty God coming in the incarnation, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name.